0: this is brain fuzz the art music and culture podcast with joe camusa and matthew white today's topics include peter asher albert lee studio fires the creative process and how to insert a proper flashback this is episode three now here are joe camusa and matthew white back here in the studio of Joe Camusa, and uh, it's good to be back. You've been here almost, how long have you been in Over the studio? Over, Over a year. Over a year? Yeah. All
1: right. It's home. We did recon on three other sites or non-sites on the property. One was an undisclosed location. Secret, secret yeah. top secret, subterranean. But it
0: didn't work out. It's a cathedral. sounded beautiful. It did. It would be good for performances and instruments. So, what have you been up to? I, uh, You've been <laughs> I have been traveling. I have been traveling. I just got back from Nashville about a week or so ago, number of stops there. And uh, I had the opportunity to visit City Winery and take in a show featuring Peter Asher and Albert Lee. Now, not everybody's going to be familiar with those names. <laughs> that's that's intense. Peter is the is the Peter of Peter and Gordon.
1: And a fine producer in his own right, Linda Ronstadt. He, there you go. All the way up to 10,000 maniacs. I didn't know that. Yep. 10,000 yeah, maniacs. Yeah, he did in my
0: tribe. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a good record. So Albert Lee, one of Probably the best living guitarist. Certainly, I have read top five country guitarists of all time.
1: I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. Somehow, these two get together and go on this kind of... Uh, it's like a storyteller's kind, of, kind okay. of tour where they mix the music in with the storytelling. Um, for those of you who don't know, Peter of Peter and Gordon... They recorded World Without Love. Big song for them. Written by Lennon McCartney. Wow. How did that happen? McCartney was dating Peter's sister. Jane? Jane Asher there you model. Go. And a lot of people don't know about her because Linda then took the took the spotlight. But uh, they were living in, I think, his family's home, right? Paul was living with them. And World Without Love is somehow getting bounced around. Lennon's coming by the house, that kind of thing. Peter likes it. Lennon doesn't like it. Paul says, yeah, 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 I'll finish finish that for you. Finishes it, hands it off to Peter and Gordon. Nice. Yeah. But then... um, they have a number of hits with Peter and Gordon. And then he goes on to um, produce James Taylor for Apple Records right. because he became an executive first, at Apple Records.
1: First act, I think first act signed to Apple.
0: Or it's I'd finger. have to fact check that, but I, no, I think he's it, up I there. Think it, yeah.
1: I think it is.
0: Yeah. yeah. It was. So then he tells this crazy story about hanging out with James Taylor at the Troubadour, and they hear Carole King, I think, Anyway, he's telling these stories. You wouldn't believe all of the weird connections that the this guy has made. And then Albert Lee, in his own right, has his own recording history, but then he's also been like the go-to guy for Eric Clapton. When you watch concert for George, he's in the back of uh, oh, okay. uh, Eric Clapton, Paul McCartney on While My Guitar gently Weeps, or something. I don't know. Anyway, so the stories between these two are amazing. I'm blown away. I've got great, we got great seats. At a great time, we're probably some of the youngest people in the audience. <laughs> Peter's got a terrible tux vest on. But at the end of it, they go out to the front to sign autographs, right? right. And I'm, I'm like starstruck because they're right there, right? And I don't usually do this, get like giddy. But uh, they didn't have anything to sign. There wasn't anything to buy and so there wasn't anything to sign. So all I could do was grab a uh, note card. <laughs> yeah. It was a postcard, and it had, like, a future act at City Winery, which was some burlesque show. And I grabbed the burlesque card, and we get our picture with these guys in Peter's tux vest. I said, this is all i got for you guys to sign. I, I stuttered through all of that. And they're looking at me like, who is this guy? You know? <laughs> so I flip it over and I go are you guys in the burlesque next month (laughs) and Albert Albert is is like "Eh," he's no just soft spoken and and he's like "Eh," and they're still looking at me like who who is this guy but it's one of those things where it's just like pandemonium when you do the signing thing it's not ever well put together it's just kind of like hey you know it was fantastic that's what I've been up to Uh, that and other things but um As we were saying, you've been here almost a year. Over a year. Over a year. That's official. Yeah. And um, in fact, we recorded an earlier discussion shortly after. Well.
1: Yes. Yeah, Yeah. shortly after. I actually came across those pictures recently. Okay. Uh, That was about a year ago.
0: Let's, uh, let's. uh, We've done two. Let's, let's have a listen.
1: Definitely need to listen to that.
0: It's kind of a flashback.
1: I I don't think I've heard the whole thing. You haven't? No.
0: Okay. So we're thinking about doing a podcast and recording it live here at the artist studio of Joe Camusa at Atlanta Contemporary, formerly known as Nexus. Studio 7, live, during a rainstorm. it worked the edit, it, it worked with the editing it a quick quick down and dirty editing job it worked um i'm I wondering if you should because i i uh, was reading
1: the sunday paper and there was an actress who was saying um uh, she never sees herself like the finished product of like her films or even looks at the daily. Like, she does not want to see herself on tape.
0: Woody Allen has not seen one of his films. I think Bananas or... No, you know what? He said he hadn't seen anything since Take the Money and Run.
1: Uh, after editing. Yeah. Done. Right. And I think a lot of people do that. Right? He says, like, if it comes on TV when he's on the treadmill or something, he'll, he'll switch it. Ooh. You know. But uh, yeah, maybe there is something that. to be said for that. But, yeah, I'm not a... I am not a. do not really like to hear myself. Uh...
0: So you didn't listen to the flashback? I didn't get to hear it all. Well, and we I just we, inserted the flashback, oh, so there's now, no way you could have heard. it. Well, now I've now I've heard it <laughs> in the future, <laughs> and I probably liked it. But something recently uh, freaked you out a bit about the whole studio thing.
1: Yeah, I think definitely, you know, I, I, I upon a, a year anniversary tends to make one a little bit reflective. So, and I'm always—I uh, know this about myself. I'm always uh, rearranging space to make it as. Uh, Efficient as possible. It's just uh, just become very sensitive, and it's whether it's uh, the uh, my home studio slash office, uh, and definitely this place. I mean, you don't have a lot of room, so it has to it has to work. And then visually, there needs to be just some space for me to be able to rest, which sounds really arty, I know. But uh, while I was uh, resting and reading a fabulous publication. Uh, from the fine folks at Paper Monument called On Fire, which is uh, by Jonathan Griffin, editor. It's a collection of, uh, let's see, ten artists that were asked to recount a very painful chapter in their history. Uh, all of them have uh, endured a studio fire, which that just makes me kind of... Uh, thankfully, I've never had a fire. I've had break-ins... Which are bad enough, but fire—fire fire is everything. Uh, so anyway, they all were talking about how they were dealing with the, uh, you know, the, the sense of loss. Did any narrowly
0: escape it, or was it some all? Some of them
1: were crazy enough to be like going in and out, like trying to get stuff out while the building was starting to. Which I'm just thinking that's crazy. So yeah, some of these people were obviously
0: living there. So I haven't read the book, but. Are these all visual artists? What What's the...
1: Yeah, oh, primarily. Okay. Yeah, they're all painters. And uh,
0: so this book, of
1: course, it seems like every other page is talking about linseed-soaked rags. And I, don't, I still don't know. I mean, I've been painting a long time, and I don't soak anything. But, uh, you know, I still have, uh, you know, paper towels that, you know, from wiping off brushes or knives or sometimes paintings. And uh, one great thing about grad school in a brand-new building... Uh, with a fire marshal coming through, uh, created uh, or inculcated some good habits in me. I'm clean and neat and paranoid, but uh, this book freaked me out so much that I actually went online, researched, and found the proper uh, metal, uh, I think if you look it up, it's like an oily, what do they call it? An oily rag canister. And you're supposed to empty them every night, which again, we are you putting those same oily rags? But just where still, are they going? somebody else's dumpster. <laughs> but at least it's not in your studio. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I just thought that was pretty funny, but I could not wait for that thing to arrive. So now I have a nice, shiny uh, bin to put my rags. But, uh, you ordered
0: that off of Amazon Prime, didn't you?
1: I did, and I did look on there. I actually oh, yeah. did. It's my my friends at Global. A lot of studio furniture has come from prime okay. folks at Global. They're kind of like Uline. Uh, indispensable. But uh, So now I'm just hoping that institutionally, because I could write like a Martin Luther 95 thesis about... Uh, <laughs> Safety protocols in the studio, (laughs) but seriously, you don't know what somebody's using. They using. They leaving aerosols out. Is there a lot of sawdust? Is there resins? I mean, let's face it. A lot of this is over a hundred year old building. This is pretty clean and pretty safe, I have Mm -hmm. to say. Luckily, there's not many painters here, so I don't think there's a lot of chemicals. Yeah. And all the post studio folks, what's the laptop? Might start something. I don't know. But, you know, you just start wondering if it's not you, but is it an extension cord? So anyway, I've always, if you start thinking about that, you can get a little bit paranoid. So
0: that's what you did on your, uh, you you said you did that, you read that during relaxation?
1: This was like a, yeah, like a Sunday morning, like Ah, day off from the studio. Day off. And And it made me like want to drive to the studio. Like, did I empty the garbage today? Uh, it made me kind of crazy. That's but. what
0: I like to do. In my time off, I like to explore all the things that could go wrong.
1: Oh, and I like to, yeah, my wife thought I was in, like, you're reading about studio fires? <laughs> uh, she thinks I need to get out a little bit more. But, uh, you know, what do you do if you would lost everything? I think for some people that would probably be very liberating. Like, do maybe the work, like to have that kind of cleansing. And, uh, you know, there's the patron Zeta, John Baldessari, of course, that always is mentioned, you know, when he cremated his work and completely started over you know i think a lot of folks once they get over the shock if they start over they're probably making similar work versus completely going in a different direction but um um, so i'm sure there could be some kind of uh uh, spark if you will uh to get (laughs) you going again but um you know but i think in the biggest sense of loss it was Told through all of these, besides you know those that like didn't have insurance. So get insurance, kids. Uh, but you can't really insure your work. So the work you're out there, except for maybe materials. You know, unless you had some amazing insurance policy. For the most part, you're not getting. You know, like what the retail? Of course not. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, you just think like, what's more important? And most of these artists said the same thing. As I'm looking around here, you know, it's the, the tools that you've spent. You know. Your lifetime acquiring that enables you to do what you're doing. Uh, And not even so much just paintbrushes, but I mean, I think we all have some things that you know, we've kind of specialized with. And then it's gone.
0: So there's this Japanese art of decluttering, and there's a word for it and it escapes me. That's
1: been big for a few years though, right? Like in in the news, like a
0: popular... Really? Yeah. What's the name of that? I... It escapes me. It escapes me. Okay. So they have they have a handle on this decluttering better than your average American, and for several reasons. But um, you're supposed there's something about you're supposed to hold the item, sense the energy, and then determine if this is something you want in your life or not in your life. That's as far as I've gotten with it. Have you have you put this into practice? No, I'm I'm considering it. I'm deciding if this is something I want in my life. I'm also seeing now... You know how in life you go through the wave of marriages among friends, and then you start to see the divorces among friends? Also seeing that. And I'm watching them go through the cleansing process as well. Oh, yeah, that's a deep cleanse. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think the only thing I relate to is uh, going through a number of moves in the past four years. Studio moves, home, and that'll certainly... Force one to get rid of, and having my storage space uh, burglarized and losing books and music and even some of my own artwork. Uh, but actually, I do from now. I'm finding it liberating, despite them getting screwed financially out of it. Um, but you know, as I, I rearranged uh, the home studio slash library, um, so three bookcases worth of you know art books uh, and all my records. And uh, again, you talk about holding an item in your hand, and it's true. Like even some of these records, am I really? Am I going to listen to this anymore? Can I trade it? Can I sell it? But I'm definitely in a pair, like constantly paring down, and it, maybe it is because I've got this wall of paintings behind me. So I'm just aware of my footprint.
0: So that so it's, that plays into though the the uh, the act of creating and the choices that come along the way, and letting chance fall into fall into the process. Which reminds me, I think we've talked about that before as well. Eno, Eno and Peter Schmidt invented oblique strategies around 74, 75. And Eno would take these, it was a stack of cards, would take these uh, these cards into the studio and whenever, whenever you would reach an impasse, then you would you would draw a card and let that guide your guide your work from there. How does chance figure into your world? I'll tell you one way. Recently, I sent some stuff out, and I was I wanted it done a certain way. You sent it out for what? I sent out for digital printing. Oh, nice! Great job these guys did given the information they had. It didn't come back the way that I really, really wanted it. And I hated to keep beating them up about it. So I decided to just go with what they had oh, and you. then work with that because it introduced another, another, um, what, what were you
1: what you talking about? Like resolution issues or just clarity? no No, it wasn't quality. It wasn't quality size. of the printing at all.
0: Um, it was, it was, it had to do with the cropping of this particular print. And I knew that it was going to be incorporated into um, something else. Uh So I start uh, working with it and I find another way that I actually like better. And that would have never come about had they not made that,
1: I say error,
0: but had they not made that decision for me. And that was a new, for me, accepting that and moving forward, um, it's kind of tough to do. But I think you know I think it ends I think it can help you um well, who knows I mean you you know let's say you well, it's less questions that you have to answer,
1: yeah. and I think uh, I just was reading a piece on uh, Richard Aendong, and uh his uh i guess guys you know I don't know what you call them I guess they were they were the ones who actually printed his work, and there's this big secret to some you know dark secret but that he didn't print his work for you know throughout the glory years of his practice he didn't have time you know I mean he his thing was he knew exactly what he wanted though and he was extremely demanding in terms of you know he's always started with the eyes he was passionate about that but I mean I don't think that lessens the output why not perhaps outsource but I think what I'm saying kind of roundabout here any of us I think if we walk into a like in that case something is printing we have our opinions instantly and if you can say like I want more more of this more of that I want more contrast versus having to do it yourself I think you can probably be a lot more critical and those judgments are probably a lot quicker because you have some kind of distance all of a sudden yeah that's true so I think that chance aspect could be great uh you know versus uh you know I find myself in that sole practitioner mode. It's me in the silo for the most part. I mean, I have studio visits here and there, but even, you know, post grad school. What can people really tell you about your work? Uh, you know, aside from whether they like it or not, or aesthetics, and you know, you know what? Uh, only I think only the per- the maker really can figure out like either what's wrong with it or where it needs to go. But uh, I found this killer quote kind of going on a tangent here, but uh, uh, Lewis Kahn had said, art is a journey into the most unknown thing of all, oneself. Nobody knows his own frontiers. And you can take that into a lot of different areas, you know, in terms of how far you want to push and that sort of thing. But, you know, I think at times we're always looking for some kind of validation or someone else to tell us, you know, what's, what's wrong? Where do I go with this? Um, so I guess I'm thinking if you could have the benefit, you know, again, I always use a, a, a band kind of analogy and with a great producer, uh, if you have an extra set of hands or, or, you know, that extra brain that can, um, help, you know, with the concept and the execution instead of having to do it all within, you know, by yourself, how do you do that? How do you stay fresh enough? I mean, I'm obviously I'm obsessed with this, you know, this is my life's, I love process. I'm obsessed about process, but how do you also not let your process become such a habit that you're, you know, you're making the donuts over and over again? How is there room for uh, innovation? And uh, you know, I know we're going to be talking about perhaps some other topics later that that stretch into data and all that, but like to think about like a new avant-garde. I mean, how do you even contemplate? Again, when the reality is, you know, you come into I come into a place, and it's basically the same amount, same tools, same working methods. You know, again, how how do you flip that, and uh, then come up with something
0: new and unique? So that provides an excellent segue to our next to our next uh, podcast on. You talking anti art? You going anti? You know, we could go in a lot of different. Only we, you know, we have got to know our frontiers here, and uh, we've got. Uh, yeah, we can go to anti art, but I really think that you know, in our in our prep, in our show prep, we uh, made some notes, and I really want to get into this whole maker thing.
1: Oh and yeah. Then, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm fascinated
0: about this. So, did some thinking about this, and. Mmm... I
1: notebook looks like it's seen some water.
0: Yeah. It's, uh...
1: That's, like, good. That's summer. It's nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. I do, you know, I don't usually have no... I mean, honestly, I've gotten I've into used it...
1: Those, those always... They usually, they
0: are ter- they're terrible. They rip off. Yeah, they rip off, but what I found is I don't have everything, all my eggs in one basket. Yep. So if I have to lose one of these in a fire, maybe... I haven't lost. You could grab that on the way out. I'm not going to be anywhere near it when that happens.
1: Um, I used to have a plan, though. I used to think, like, which guitars to grab if there was ever fire. Like, get the cat and at least one guitar on the way out. Or I, yeah. used, to, I used to be so crazy. Now I'm just like, it's just things. Get the cat. but
0: Yeah. You know. At some point, to, yeah. All right. Uh, so...